Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ripple Fishing Report. It's a, a special episode. Um, they're all a little bit special to me, I suppose. But this one, <clears throat> excuse me, this one stands out because we got a new captain we're talking to. And it's Captain Jordan Todd down in uh, Port St. Joe and uh, Apalachicola. So how you doing, Jordan? I'm doing all right, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you, and uh, thank you for joining us. So um, I tell you what, you have, uh, you've been on a trip recently, right? Yes, sir. And where was that? Uh, I went to Marathon, Florida, down in the Keys. Okay. So you can't go wrong in the Keys, right? No, you can't, especially not this time of year. No. How long were you down there? Uh, four days. Okay. Did, uh, so what did you get into down there? I want to kind of cover that first because I love the keys, man. Yeah, we, uh, I got a good buddy of mine who's a guy down there and, and, uh, usually every time in, you know, February or in the winter, kind of before my season kicks off, I try to escape down there for a few days. Um, and I mainly go for permit. I love chasing permit. Okay. I hear, man. I've, I've heard. Now, let me just say, I've never fished for nor caught a permit um, in any capacity, but I've heard uh, the people that do, they it grabs them, and, and they, can't, uh, they can't do anything but chase permit. They are the most frustratingly beautiful fish on the flats. That's what I keep hearing. So, Bar none, man. So tell me about how that went for you. Did, were you able to catch one or, or anything? Uh, no, not this trip. So this trip, we had a goal, uh, only throwing a fly rod. Like okay. we, we took, we took spinning rods for, in case we saw some other stuff, but we, uh, we only had fly rods throwing it permit. So you're going to make uh, it extra hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. A- absolutely. And we, and we, you know, we could have caught some if we threw some live crabs. We had some great, uh, little situations to where, um, live crabs would have worked really well, but sure. I had a goal that I, I wanted to catch one on fly. It's one of the only fish that I haven't caught on fly. So, and we had, man, I had probably 10 or 12 of the prettiest shots you could ever think of on singles and some small little schools. And, and, and even, are, even the school fish wouldn't eat, huh? Yeah. And they actually, it's, uh, my buddy says it's a little harder on fly with, with the, sometimes with the schooling fish because a lot of times they'll school and they're just kind of floating and relaxing they're not really feeding okay and and so throwing a fly in there you know sometimes you get that that competition to where two or three will come after it right Um, but most of the time it's one will see it and kind of peel off and look and look and look and then he'll just nah deny and come back to the school so when, um, when one, when one denies like that out of a school, does it spook the school or do they, are they just kind of cool with it? Uh, no, it, it usually, it'll usually either spook them or they'll, or they'll just kind of slide off the flat, yeah. um, a little deeper. They are, they're the, the, the most weary fish I've ever targeted. I mean, you know, there's days you see tarpon that you can't get them to bite. Right. Um, uh, but the next day, you, you know, you, you can, you can hook. 10 or 12 of them it's just but permit every time i've ever chased them they are the most cautious weary fish the slightest little thing wrong slightest movement a shadow something and they're out i mean they're gone so i've always heard that about bonefish but and and i'm and they are too i'm sure but permit in your opinion they're even worse oh yeah well bonefish if you don't spook them and you get a fly in front of them you're going to catch them okay 
Like that's, you know, nine out of 10 times. If you get the fly in front of a bonefish where he sees it and not spook him, you have a great chance of, of catching them. Permit, you can do it right 100 out of 100 times and they'll deny it. Even, yeah. on, even on live crabs. I mean, even, you know, with live crabs, you throw it perfect. It floats right in their face and they, they, they belly or they nose down on it. And they look at it. They look at it and then they just bug out. Wow. I mean, they're, they're just, they're, you know, they're big eyes. They can see, they're so weird. They can feel every little movement. Um, and, and it's, that's unreal that they, and I've always read that about them, but I've never had a, a firsthand account. Yeah. It's like, they frustrate you and frustrate you, but it makes you, <clears throat> it makes you really want to catch one even more and, 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 you know, target them even harder. It's, they're just a neat fish. Yeah, and you know, um, I've always heard that they are super finicky like that. And like you said about bonefish, I mean, you know what? It's it's not that tarpon won't spook, but they're more likely to not eat than they are to spook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And or you're or I'll speak for myself. I'm more likely to blow a shot than, than they <laughs> are to, to spook. Now you line something and it's going to be gone. But yeah, oh yeah. But you know, but but you know, the thing about it is permit. And I've always heard, like you're saying that that you could do it, you could do everything right, and they just choose to not eat. Yep. And I think Absolutely. that's the part that, because, I mean, this is not easy, you know? I mean, it's not easy to throw to a bonefish, to a tarpon, because, look, it's one thing to, to cast, but you got all the all the outside, you know, the adrenaline and the excitement and the holy shit that's a permit, you know what I mean? Like, all oh, that. Yeah, yeah. It's and that's that's my biggest problem with them is is – I can cast perfect when nothing's around. Right. And even like on a tarpon or something now, my nerves are settled a little more because I've done it so much. But with permit, as soon as I see one, I turn into a <laughs> a 10-year-old who can't even throw a spinning rod. I mean, I just, yeah, you know, and that's why it gets me so, you know, why I love it so much is because it, it gets me shaking. As many fish as I've caught, it, it gets me nervous and shaking and excited and, and it, it makes me, fail you know trying to especially throw on a fly rod yeah um, and so that makes me want to do it even more and, and and it's it's just it's just a neat neat fish neat fishery you know down there you got currents that are ripping across these flats so you have to play that current with the fly just right to let it drift into that that permits you yeah. know line of sight or, or, while the boat and and the current and the wind and the boat are always moving in 15 different directions yep Yep. So it, it's just a it's just a very technical fishing, and and that's why I, I really love it. Yeah, and I and I got to tell you, I mean, and I, I've kind of thought this anyway because I've heard everything that you're saying about permit. Um, but like I said, I've never gotten a firsthand account. I've always assumed that the permit were the hardest to catch. They and, are and on a fly rod for sure. Um, yep. But the and thing, they'll tell you. I mean, most of the, a lot of the guides down there, you know, buddies of mine and other guides who are. are who have caught a lot of them in their career will tell you it took them many, many, many shots. Some of them hundreds of opportunities before they landed the first one. Yeah. And I don't doubt that. And, and the, yeah. and what's wild about a permit, as I understand it, is that just because you land one and you've, you've had a hundred good shots and you've been denied and you finally land one, you still don't have it figured out. It may be 200 no. more before you catch the next one. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, in my mind, all I can think of is that the permit is like the the expert level. It's, and again, I, I'm, and I'm going to 
just preface this with I'm speaking in terms of a fly rod. I mean, I think it's hard no matter yeah. what. But on a fly rod, it doesn't get much harder. Um, nope. You get into it like sure there's not. things like milkfish and stuff that are in the Indian Ocean and stuff that maybe I mean I don't know anything about them, but but you know it's I've I've always heard that the permit are just they'll make you crazy is what I've always yep. heard. They will they will frustrate you to the end. Hmm. See, I want to catch one, but I've got a few other things I need to check off my list first, you know? <laughs> and, and then I'll then I'll work around to the permit. There's plenty of of cool. See there for me go. for me Jordan, I see a tarpon. I get that way. I see a redfish. I get that way. You know what I mean? And then for, and then especially, uh, bonefish, God forbid a permit ever come in my line of sight when I'm fishing. Cause I don't know what I would do with it. Emotionally. I'd probably come apart. I mean, cause I don't, you know, for me to be down there, it might happen once a year. And so it's such a limited opportunity, you know, that when I get it, it's, that's, (laughs) that's why we go, man. When that heart's racing Mm -hmm. and you're shaking, that's, that's why we do it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's cool to hear that there's still a few fish out there that a guy like you that's pretty seasoned with all this still gets fired yeah. up over, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a great trip, <clears throat> one that I needed, man. I, yeah, you know my my mother passed away uh, February. Yeah, and so you know dealing with that, and I was was very very close to her, and so this trip was one of those where, you know, I'm gonna I get to be on the front of the boat this time you know and i don't have to think make decisions other than make a cast so I, it was nice to, i just turned my phone off and yeah you know and i just got to stand there and be in this beautiful place you know with with great friends and just relax and ease my mind and then i'm looking at this beautiful fish you know and trying to catch it on a fly it's it, it was all in all it was a fantastic trip and one that i really needed yeah absolutely well i'm glad you got to do it man because i i know your situation personally and and i and i'm glad you got to step away like that because look man fishing god or not if being on the water is how you change your frame of mind and you're dealing with life's problems and whatever comes up um just because you're on the water every day doesn't mean you don't still need that because it's in a different capacity you know what i mean you're there working and and it, it may not seem like work to a lot of us but if you've ever um, like I do pretend to captain a boat, you know, where you take your buddies and you're the one having <laughs> yeah. to tie all the knots. Cause they don't know one way or the other. Then oh, yeah. it, it begins to feel like work, <laughs> you know? And, uh, oh, yeah. so everybody's got to step away. So I'm glad you got to do it. And I know the timeliness of it was, uh, was well received. So yes, good, good for you. Thanks. And so you fished tar- for permit, but did you, <clears throat> did you get into bonefish or tarpon or you just didn't bother with them? No, we, uh, you know, we did look for tarpon for a little bit and we saw a couple threw, threw some flies at them. They were kind of laid up, weren't really feeding. Yeah. Um, it's a little early for the tarpon migration through there. Yeah. Uh, some of the bigger, you know, resident fish are, are showing up. Um, and then we pulled one flat and saw one bone fish. And then right behind that, we saw two permit and we were like, Nope, no, we're not looking for bone fish. Yeah. Is this the um, permit time of year? It is, isn't it? It's, it's starting. So you you get good permit up until the full moon around February and March. And then they all kind of pull offshore, um, and gather up and do their spawning deal. Okay. Um, and then they'll come back, you know, and hit the flats, you know, mid summer. Okay. Um, but so if you get to them and, and I was there a little late, I was after the full moon. So a lot of the big groups and, and they really weren't feeding hard. You know, they were some of the smaller groups kind of floating around and you'd see one or two, you know, uh, <clears throat> feeding on the flat. So, so I was a little late 
with that, but um, still got some good shots. But we did catch one of my favorite things down there is while you're pulling and looking for permit or whatever is catching barracuda. Really? They have, man, they have the coolest barracuda fishing ever. It's you throw these big two barracuda, you know, the big barracuda. Yeah, I've seen those and, and I've seen barracudas all over the keys. So I know what you're talking about. They're everywhere, man. They get, you know, 40, 50 pounders in a foot of water laying yeah. there. <clears throat> and you throw this tube jig and just reel it as fast as you can. And you cannot keep it away from them. Really? <laughs> it is the, the, the aggressiveness and the quickness of the strike is just unbelievable. And then they peel off 200 yards of line. Yeah. You know, so like one of us is on the bow fly fishing, looking for permit or, or whatever, tarpon, whatever. The other one, you know, Hey, there's a, huge cooter laying right there the other one waiting on his turn will throw the tube jig and catch that cooter real quick yeah you know and then we'll keep pulling it, it's a lot of fun and so in between we caught some of those big giant barracuda real skinny water and it, that's a lot of fun if no one's ever done that that's something they got to do it's super easy and it is a lot of fun yeah that's you know and the thing is i mean there's barracudas everywhere but the numbers yeah. of them in the keys is just unreal of the big yeah, ones like you're saying and it and it's super shallow water in the wintertime, man. It's it's just, it's a lot of, so visual and so aggressive. It's it's pretty neat. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you, do they do anything? Now, I know that uh, some people will eat barracuda, and it's generally not in the U.S., I think, if I remember right. But no, people- I've, I've, I've eaten it and tried it, and it's, and it's tasty, but it's, it's very, you know, they carry diseases, high mercury content. Yeah. Um, so it's, especially in the U S with how everything's regulated and it, they don't tend to keep them and eat very often, Yeah, especially the big ones. The smaller ones are a little better. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about a barracuda, <clears throat> everything that you just said, you know, I don't know when they decided. Um, and, and I think I probably could guess, but I, I don't know when they decided, you know, what people are going to fish for, for sport. I mean, I know a lot of it started with, well, I got to eat, so I'm going to go catch these fish that I like to yeah. eat. And then it turned into sport. But something uh-huh. like a barracuda, man, we missed the boat. You know, like, I mean, you got marlin and all this other stuff, but something that gets, you know, can get big like that in certain areas, you think they'd be targeted more often. And really, oh, I think yeah. for a lot of people, it's more like an opportunity, like, oh, there's a barracuda, I'll fish for that now. Yeah. But something yeah, that big true. that does what you said, I mean, that's a sport fish, man. It's a it's a big sport fish. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I haven't caught one on my fly either. I'm going to try to catch one on fly rods because you have to, they're not going to touch it, and if if it's not moving a hundred miles an hour. And see, I think that's the problem I would have is getting it to move fast enough. Yeah, you know, I yeah, mean, I've seen people strip it fast enough is tough. <clears throat> yeah, I've seen people do that move where they put it under their arm and use both hands. You know, I, I haven't perfected that, but it'd have to be some version of that to even have a chance. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No doubt to get it moving. Yeah. So. Uh, man, that sounds like a fantastic trip and I'm, I'm trying to get myself down to the keys sooner than later. Uh, now I'm trying to talk to buddies and when can you go and when can I go and let's, you know, cause you it's can. just, and flights are so cheap too, man. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so I love going down there too. So I'm, I can talk about the keys every show. <laughs> I mean, I, I just love <laughs> it. Um, but let's talk about your home, your home water. What are you hearing? Yes, uh, I know you hadn't been in town much, but I know you you keep your your thumb on the pulse there. So what what is kind of oh, yeah. happening, or how are we transitioning into uh, spring in Port St. Joe, Apalachicola? Um, well, we, we got some really nice weather uh, this week. You know, a little breezy, yep. sunshine, warming up. 
Um, the sheep's head bite is, is pretty good right now. Okay. Um, the intercoastal had a bunch while it was cold. They're going to start filing out of there here soon. Um, usually any kind of structure, hard, you know, hard bottom, any, anything with what I, what I call growth on it. So if it has barnacles and horse, you know, just yep. any kind of growth within 25, 20, 25 to about 40, 45 feet. Okay. Um, you know, buoys, uh, day markers here. If you know of some, some structure in that area, those, those sheep said are going to start schooling up on that to get ready to do their spawning deal. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll, they'll start, they'll be good, um, to usually about the full moon in April. Okay. Um, so that's, that's starting to pick up. If you can get out and know where some structure is. Um, and then, you know, our Spanish mackerel should start showing up here very soon. Yep. Um, should be, I'm guessing this week with the sun and the warming water temps. Yeah. Um, the Spanish should start showing in those big numbers. And then, uh, our flounder, um, same thing. The flounder should start kind of migrating back in. So, yep. Do they catch many pompano in, in your part of the world on, on the Gulf side, I guess? Oh yeah. Yeah. Pompano will be big. And that's usually April. Um, okay. Toward the, toward the very end of March, you will start seeing some and then April, um, once that water hits, you know, consistent 68, 72 degrees. Yep. There'll be, there'll be Pompano on the beach for sure. And, and, and all along the, you know, the beaches and, and running the ledge inside the Cape, stuff like that. Yeah. What do you, uh, uh what do you see as far as cobia? And I know it's way early, but it, looking ahead a little bit for when that migration starts, is there a, a decent, I mean, do people fish for them uh, in, in Appalachia and Port St. Joe like they do everywhere else? Not so much in Appalachia. Uh, for some reason, the cobia just do not come very close to to the beach or, or for you know, their migration is way off the coast around around Appalachicola. You, you can catch them around hard bottom while you're uh, – you know, bottom fishing. Yeah, showing. yeah. You'll you'll pull some in every now and then out there, but um, <clears throat> along Cape San Blas, it's it's kind of where there's some. I guess it's currents. I'd have to guess the way the currents flow. Yeah, it pulls them in closer to that beach sometimes, and then they kind of shoot straight across toward Destin. And of course, everybody knows Destin and the yep the cobia migration there. But we get some if we get the right weather, right offshore currents, we'll see some migrating along the beaches yeah but you don't it uh, doesn't sound like you really have a fishery like destin and some of these other we areas. used to we okay. used to when i was younger we used to have pretty decent you, you'd see schools of 15 20 you know swimming down the beach right and, and that that whole migration i think has changed a lot it know, has and but. and you know and, and you can tell i mean we talked about this on the podcast not not you and i but last year because the numbers just aren't there anymore and and yeah. a lot and and you can tell that that it's a it's kind of a it's a true statement because they changed the regulations on it leading into last year as well, and so that tells you that somebody else saw a problem too on a bigger scale. And then locally, you know, when we have these conversations, um, everybody told me, you know, yeah, there's some, but it's just not what it used to be. It's just kind of it sounds like it's oh, probably yeah. been overfished, you know. Yeah, yeah, overfished, and and the the worst thing was is you know, and I'm not knocking the tournaments and stuff over there because I've <clears throat> I fished them and you know, everybody, but the big tournaments with all that money it, and with the regulations, 
you know, yeah. 10, 15 years ago, what they did is target the giant females. And the reason they're migrating through here is the, the big females are migrating, picking up all the males and they're migrating to their spawning grounds. So yeah. the tournaments made people target the big females, your 80, 90, hundred pounders. Well, a hundred pound cobia can have up to 3 million eggs. Yeah. That's a, yeah, so, that, that does a, a, a dent in the, in the ecosystem. Yeah. Sure. So if you got, you know, and, and if you got guys killing, you know, a couple hundred 80 plus pounders a year, you know, and, and the regulations have helped because now they can only keep two fish instead of gaffing the 50, 60 pounders and throwing them in ice. They have to net those. Okay. And then release them hoping to catch a bigger one. Right. Yeah, you whatever know, they kill, because it's only one fish, right? So if you kill it, it's, you, it's two per boat. Yeah, okay, it's two per boat. Okay, instead of it used to be, you know, one per person. Okay, so you could have six and, people or something, and yeah. yeah. So now it's two per boat max. So that's that's gonna help the numbers because not as many of the larger females are going to be killed. They're still gonna kill some, but right. If they do, they probably hopefully released several fifty, sixty pounders instead. You know, so right. it's, that's gonna help. Um, another thing is, you know, we just don't get the winners. Those, those cold, those cold snaps, you know, cold winters kind of turn everything over for, for the fishing and, and how they migrate and when they migrate and where they go, it's all water temperature. So because our temps don't necessarily get cold anymore, like they used to, it's, it's changed the migration, you know, earlier, later. Right. Nice clothes. So we had some pretty cold weather this year. Water temps got pretty low. So I'm, I'm hoping we get a decent push of them this spring. Yeah, I hope so too. And, and you know, what's interesting about the weather is, is we did get some colder days just in general, just in the entire panhandle. And it's been more recent, you know, it yep. wasn't, it wasn't back in early January or something. I mean, it's been like two weeks ago. It was what in the twenties or some thirties. I mean, it was, it was, it was 39 here, uh, this morning yeah i mean we we're still i mean we're getting some beautiful days but it's cold overnight still you know yeah yep. water temp still pretty low and and uh and some of the stuff that i've seen this spring and and this you know it's stuff i hadn't seen here in, you know probably eight or ten years so i, th- I think we're gonna have a you know a pretty good little spring push yeah i hope so because boy i've been looking forward to it me I mean, too i love kobe that's one of my favorite fish here yeah to target and and normally during the Cobia run, I, I'll catch one or two migrating. Um, yeah. But I just pick the right conditions when I know when I've seen the right conditions line up. I'll, I can usually get one or two, but um, it, it's it's gotten a lot tougher over the years. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is, is and I hadn't thought about this, but you mentioned that the winters haven't been as cold and it's, it's sort of messing up the, the migratory patterns of some of these fish because it's staying warmer and it's warming up faster and all this. Yeah. And, because of that, you know, when you're when you're Kobe fishing, you'll see uh, small schools, and I mean small like just two fish, four fish of tarpon. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a sweet spot where you know, like in May, middle of May, early May, you can you can, and, and even mid late April, there's kind of a sweet spot that you can you can you can sort of run the beach, and you might see a tarpon or you might see a cobia. Yeah, last week of April, first two weeks of May are my favorite, I would say my favorite three-week span of the year. Yeah, and why is that? 
well, because of kind of what you just said, there, yeah. there's a chance it's with water temps and migrations and bait, there's a chance you can hit the beach or, or you know, from Appalachia to Panama, anywhere along there that you can catch everything. Yeah, that's right. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm leaving out redfish and all the other stuff. Redfish know. jacks. You may see a tarpon, <clears throat> uh, you know, sometimes triple tail will be floating down the beach. Yeah. Cobia may be running. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, everything's kind of fired up, moving, following bait, getting ready. And, and it's, it's a special time of year. You know something, man, and this is another one. You mentioned jacks. A big jack doesn't get the respect <clears throat> on, on the level of, of fight and, and like a permit, you know. Because some of those jacks are absolute monsters that run up and down the beaches. And oh, the I love them, man. They I, are. That's my favorite guide fish on the planet because it's normally the biggest fish someone's ever caught, the yeah. strongest they've ever caught. It's going to take them 15, 20 minutes to get it in. Oh, yeah. And the, the visual part of there's a school, just throw something in there and move it. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. I mean, if they, no. it either matters or it doesn't matter. They're either going to eat anything or eat nothing. Yeah. It's just one right. or the other. And in my experience, most of the time, they're going to eat whatever you put out there. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I, I ran into a school of those on the beach last year, tarpon fishing, and um, early in the year, and um, probably maybe about this time of year, actually. And, uh, and, uh, and two or three porpoises came up. And they – and I and it was – man, it – Anyway, a porpoise grabbed one of these big 30, 40-pound jacks. I didn't think they would do that or be able to do that, but it got in there and grabbed one, and you would have thought. I mean, it was like I did a cannonball off the polling platform and just started splashing around with the commotion, <laughs> you know? Oh, and, yeah. and, of course, oh, yeah. I was trying to rig up a rod. I, you know, I made a cast, broke one off. Was Anyway, I was I was kind of caught with my pants down. And then that happened, and I said, "Well, that's done now." But I've never seen I've never seen uh, a porpoise eat something that big. It was huge. Oh yeah. I said, "What's oh, he gonna yeah. do with that?" You know. But he he did. He killed oh, yeah. it anyway. They're they're, they're eating machines. Mm -hmm. They're smartest creature on the planet. They really are, man. They really are. Well, I can't wait for spring to get going because they're you know we we still have COVID kind of hanging out there, but I think everybody is either over it or gotten used to it. And so yeah. I, I think we're not going to experience much of uh, a hiccup with the ability to go anywhere like we did last year. And, um, and so I'm excited, man. I, I'm, like I said, I, I can talk about this stuff all the time, but knowing that we're just a few weeks out from it being wide open again is exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite time of year. It's I'm getting busy again. It's the fishing's going to be picking up more and more, you know, up until mid June, but it's, it's an, it's a, very special time of year you get the right weather it can be awesome yeah absolutely well tell tell the listeners how to find you and how to get a hold of you um and i i don't know if you you know if you have like a youtube presence or facebook or any of that kind of so whatever you want to share however you want them to to communicate and reach you let us know how to how to book you and, and find out what you're doing uh yeah it's uh just uh facebook or instagram my facebook is saltwater obsessions on facebook um, that has, should have my phone number. You can message me on there. Instagram is saltwater underscore obsessions. Same thing. You can message me there. Uh, or my phone number is eight, five, zero, two, two, seven, six, five, five, zero. Uh, I prefer a phone call, you know, talk to you, get to know you a little bit, what you want, what your skill level is. 
uh, it's solo or, you know, family stuff like that. So, but I'll, I'll answer any of that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so if you're headed down to Port St. Joe or Apalachicola or anywhere in, what is that called? The forgotten coast? It used to be the forgotten coast. Not so much forgotten anymore. Oh, it's, it's been recognized now. Yes, sir. It's the forgotten coast. Yep. Okay. So if you, if you're interested in getting down there and if you've never been, man, that is a beautiful part of the world. And, and it's sort of, it's, it's called forgotten for a reason. And compared to some of the other areas in Florida, it still feels forgotten, you know, yes, sir. it's not Miami, right? So it, it feels like it's been left behind and, and that's, that's a neat thing. So y'all get up with Jordan and get down there and listen, while you're at it, subscribe to the podcast. Cause I, at this point, surely you've noticed this is our fourth one. We're putting them out more often, kind of a daily, uh, uh, I don't know. We're putting them out on a on a daily basis. Not quite. Maybe three a week, four a week, and uh, so subscribe so you don't miss anything. And follow us on Facebook because that's where we post the pictures and the stuff that uh, that these guys all send me that we talk about. That's where it goes. So uh, yeah, that way you don't miss anything. And uh, and Jordan, thank you for for joining us uh, this year and and hopefully going forward because I think you know I'm fascinated by that fishery down there and. Uh, and, you know, in, in the episode you and I did to kind of introduce you to everybody, I mean, you're more than qualified to have these conversations from a, a marine <laughs> biology perspective, which is awesome to me that you can bring a little little more legitimate science into into the conversation, <laughs> not just our BS science that, that the rest of us come up with. But then you also, you know, that that's a such a interesting fishery down there, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to learn a lot more about it. So I appreciate you joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, we'll talk again next week, man. And uh, thank you guys for for listening and joining us. And uh, Jordan, thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you all next week. Awesome.